Welcome to Days Your Update for December 19th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Red Victoria. And yeah, this is our last show of the year. Mm-hmm. I uh, will be taking uh, next week off in uh, next weekend off and technically the weekend after that, because we won't really be doing any new stuff. Yeah. Uh, we'll be doing our game of the sh- uh, game of the year show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this week we've got a bunch of stuff here. Uh, even with the game awards being over companies decided to still announce stuff. Uh, there was a Nintendo indie world showcase announcing quite a few things that were coming to the switch. Uh, nothing too huge there from what I could see. Uh, they mm-hmm. had already been out elsewhere. So it was kind of a, a weird showcase, but another one for uh, hollow Knight silk song people to get upset again. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that game was going to be out uh, soon. Mm. Uh, but we do have some very shitty things going on. Uh, as a number of companies decided to try out their hand at uh, blockchain stuff and NFTs and all that. Mm. We'll have all that coming up. We do have our first certified union of game workers in North America. We'll tell you who that is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we got a number of announcements and such for various games and things that are coming out. So before we get to all that stuff, we will be talking about what we've been playing. I will kick it off here. Uh been playing some Halo Infinite, some of the campaign there, and a little bit of multiplayer. The mm-hmm. nice thing with the multiplayer is they finally added uh, playlists for uh, a number of the uh, different match types. So I necessarily have to jump into the quick play match making and hope that you get one that you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now if you want to do free-for-all or uh, what else is there? There's Fiesta, which is the, the one from the event that they just did where you spawn with random two weapons in your arsenal uh, and try and see how well you can do with that. Uh, all that kind of stuff now has their own playlist. So you can just play what you want. And it seems like they've revamped some of the challenge stuff for the battle pass. So uh, it's less like, Oh, stop a uh, killing streak or some of this other weird kind of stuff. That's hard and random to even have the opportunity to do it uh, so much so that you kind of just, uh, get very annoyed at some of the uh, the poorly poorly made challenges now it's like i play two matches of this kind of uh thing you know that kind of stuff that's a little bit more easier to get uh without necessarily having to be based on random luck mm-hmm. so there's some nice stuff there the campaign uh, i've gotten out into the open world done some things there and there's and it's it's fine. It's there's not really that much in the way of activities. A lot of it is just oh, you go to this area and you kill the uh, the banished, and you mm. save uh, either like a forward operating base so that you can spawn vehicles there or whatever, or you go find captured marines to rescue, uh, or you go to you know bigger like bases to kill a bunch of dudes to uh, empty it out. I guess though, so I went through there with a tank and there still were some pockets of banished. I don't know if they were just ones that were nearby that travel around or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of repetitive stuff. I don't know if it's just better to focus on the story stuff, but you at least have a better chance of getting some of the Spartan cores that let you upgrade your 
grappling hook or your shield or whatever. So there's some reason to kind of focus on some of the side stuff at times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, the whole thing there. Uh, also been playing some Forza Horizon 5, kind of checking out what they're doing for their holiday stuff, which just kind of seems to be their seasonal event that's going on, uh, which Whoa. is like, seems like a weekly thing, like how their seasons change every week. Yeah. Uh, but some of the rewards are like a you know gingerbread man suit, a gingerbread uh, or a snowman suit or something like that. And there's a couple special like weird lines you can do in the the Forza Link thing with the D-pad stuff. Mm. I don't know. It's it's weird the way they have that stuff sort of parted out, and it's not like a concentrated event uh, for that. So I think one of the, the cooler things is like as you do this uh, championship series of races, and they have the AI on pretty high, so I've had trouble just trying to get close to winning. Uh, it seems like a bit of random luck, and a lot of the game is just a lot of busy work. Mm-hmm. Just keep grinding and grinding, and hopefully you find the cool stuff, I guess. Which may be why I'm a bit more down on this one compared to how much better it is uh, than uh, Forza Horizon 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's the aspect, is like the, the games as a service kind of thing that ties everything together. Uh this kind of just has too much stuff. Now, mm. uh, especially a lot of the seasonal event stuff is based on you having specific types of vehicles and such, and it doesn't make it easy to find find out what qualifies for that kind oh. of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, there's some just some weird stuff there, but that game's all right. I'll probably keep playing some more of it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, streamed earlier today, Fights in Tight Spaces. I got a code for this game. It cool. is, it, it was an early access game. It's hit 1.0 as of a few weeks ago. On uh, PC, like Steam and GOG, as well as Xbox. Cool. And it is a roguelite, uh, kind of card-based, turn-based strategy game mm-hmm. of sorts, as you can probably guess from the title. It's about getting into fights in smaller confined areas. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of what you're doing is, you know, you get your deck has, you know, movement cards and action cards and maybe one other type I forget. Uh, uh, but you have, you know, stuff that lets you kind of move around. Some are even like, oh, you swap places with this character, uh, this enemy, uh, or you squeeze in beh- through them to get to the other side. Uh, there's like combo systems, so the movement knocks that down by one. Whoa. You just get consecutive action uh, attacks on enemies. You could just build that up, and some abilities get bonus damage to them for keeping that combo tight, uh, keeping that combo high. Whoa. That kind of stuff. There's there's a good variety of uh, areas that I've been through in the stream to about two hours and got through. Uh, the second part of the campaign that is in a prison, mm-hmm. uh, as you you're like in a secret agent of sorts that is going to, I guess, get some kind of information. But you're also just dudes like, oh, you're you're going in undercover as a lawyer, uh, but whatever you do after that is up to you. As far as just 
beating the shit out of people. Oh. Uh, so you get some points like, oh, here's here's like a special VIP that you have to protect. I think in the prison it was an informant who couldn't give up that they were, you know, a snitch. Mm-hmm. So they so they acted like the other enemies, but you just couldn't uh, kill them or anything. So you're kind of having to pay attention to what they're doing. Avoid their attacks and maybe set them up to attack other enemies. So there's enemies with guns and such, and uh, others that have like auto attacks. If uh, somebody walks into their line of fire, they get automatically attacked, whether it's you or one of the other enemies. So there are fun ways of, you know, pushing enemies into their way to get extra damage done to them, all that kind of stuff. It's just a really kind of fun, well-designed game. Kind of in the vein of like a Into the Breach, that kind of thing where you kind of have more uh, smaller play spaces. And it's kind of the fun figuring out the sort of chess match kind of way of manipulating where enemies are at and what they're, who they're going to attack or whatever. Uh, ways to get around them, that kind of stuff that uh, works out pretty well. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. I also played the Gunk. I streamed that on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That is a that's a pretty fun game. It's a very kind of chill story so far from what I played. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing a girl named Rennie who, uh, with her buddy or partner, kind of lands on this planet expecting to find uh, whatever the source of this energy spike is that could mean big money selling whatever materials or whatever. Uh, is causing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go to seek out and they find out that this planet has all this gunk all over the place. That's kind of this reddish black goo uh, that you, uh, your character is missing a hand. So she has a like mechanical hand that can suck up the goo as well as do some other stuff uh, that she's using to suck up the gunk. And sort of when she do that, it kind of brings back life to the area. Because uh, very much when you get to that area, it's kind of dark and dreary, kind of black and reddish kind of vibe to it. So you're doing that, and that usually opens up opportunities to you know, explore some more, finding materials that you can use to upgrade your, uh, your arm, uh, either for the gunk removal parts or for other abilities that you get. So there's... Uh, it's got a pretty good pacing. There's a little bit of combat so far. Nothing that's been all that intensive. It's more just occasionally there's like goo monsters that pop out and you just suck them up like, you know, the gunk and can just shoot them around for that kind of stuff to bust them up and you get some special materials out of that. So uh, it's been pretty chill so far. I assume it's going to get... Uh, a bit more intensive at some points, but I don't think it's going to get to be like a hardcore action game or anything like that. So that's some pretty fun. That's from the steam world, uh, developers image and mm-hmm. from, uh, so it's a pretty nice new game from them. And the last one I've been playing is doing some returnal, just kind of playing some more of that as I'm trying to finalize my game of the year list and jumped into that as like a, uh, refresher and, that game is still really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up uh, having a couple of bad runs, but went to uh, in the ship and found out since the last time I played, they added this like daily challenge thing. Mm-hmm. 
I uh, went and played that where you kind of, this one starts you with a, I think we'll, like the shotgun equivalent that they have in there. Uh, and you're kind of just going and run around. And as long as you get in attacks and uh, collecting stuff, it kind of increases your multiplier. Mm-hmm. Trying to get the highest score possible. You're trying to avoid uh, taking damage because that resets it. That kind of stuff. I managed to get to the end. It wasn't too terribly hard. It was just a series of rooms and some fights. And you're just trying to get through you know, as efficiently as possible to get a higher score. But I was still, uh, it seemed like it was maybe just under a thousand people that play, play the one I was playing today. Mm-hmm. So I was like a little in the four hundreds or so. So it wasn't too bad, but not that high for what I'm assuming the top scores. That game still plays really well. Really like it. Probably going to be a, a highly ranked game on my list. So that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Well, um, since I'm pretty much still uh, just doing stuff with PSN, um, I'm still playing Frostpunk. I've gotten better at it now. Um, I am. Uh, I've gotten kind of a, a good formula going now. I know um, sort of how to set up a good scenario and how to have it progress fairly well uh, without very few issues. Um, of course, you know, the game is very randomized and, you know, it's pretty much nonstop tension from the very beginning that you start the game. But I've gotten to the point now where I can, like, start um, constructing automatons, which is kind of something you need, especially by the point when your city grows to a certain point where it ends up filling up pretty much the entire cavity that the game starts in. Um because automatons can be used to, uh, amongst other things, they can be used to transport a lot of goods, and they can also be used to uh, automate certain jobs that you can use to save on human labor for other things. Um, something else I'm doing now is I'm trying to get as many um, heaters and steam towers in there as I can, because Apparently, somewhere towards the end of the game, there's this put really nasty ice storm that's supposed to come in that drops the temperature down to absurd degrees. So I'm trying to get it so that I can have as many people survive it at the end of the game. Um, other than that, I'm also playing Borderlands 2. Um, getting towards the end of, or at least not really towards the end, it's the middle point. And when I say the middle point, anybody who's played Borderlands 2 know what the middle point is. Uh, But it's, you know, it's reminds me how much of just how great a villain Handsome Jack is because he's just such an asshole. Um, And he's not just like a comical asshole. He's like a comical asshole that will kill you and everything that you love. And he's already done a good deal of that by the time you're in the game. And, it's just, yeah, he's just, he's a great, he's a great villain. Um, really, that's pretty much it. Um, hopefully, by the time we're talking again, I will have a new console, or at very least money to get a new console, um, and some new games as well. Um, and, you know, that'll be, of course, after Christmas, but we'll see how that goes. So, uh, Dan Reb, what about you? 
Yeah, um, I've been just been trying to get back onto things. After finishing Guardians a few weeks ago, I realized, yeah, I really, really like that game. Like, the story in Guardians, in, in my opinion, is um, as close to, like, you know, uh, Spider-Man on the PS4 and PS5 as you're going to get. And while it does have its uh, setbacks as far as, like, just, just the, the B-level gameplay, it was just a fun game and really enjoyable from beginning to end, the end being better than... Uh, the beginning so yeah guardian is really good it actually might make my top 10 list i'm just not exactly sure where yet it'll be towards the bottom though um i also jumped back on solar ash uh which is the game published by annapurna the same folks that did um hyperlight drifter which i've never played so i can't really say i have much experience in that area um but this game is really cool um open world uh platformer puzzler where it's really all about you understanding the environment and getting from point a to point b and using your moves in such a way where um, it all just makes sense. Like, if I were to compare it to, I don't really want to call it mainstream, but if I were to compare it to anything, I'd compare it to uh, Mirror's Edge, just because, like, you know, there there were very specific ways to get into certain places, and um, the difference is that the path here is, um, is open-ended. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. I think I'm about maybe a third of the way into the game, and um, yeah, it's definitely a fun one. Um, I also jumped on Big Brain Academy, Brain vs. Brain. Mm. Um, if uh, if you didn't see it earlier this week, so this game actually retails for $30, um, but a bunch of places had it for 15 So I don't know if like um, Nintendo like buckled up somewhere or there was a rights disagreement, but you mm. never see Nintendo drop the price of a game 50% off after 10 days. Like, I don't care how good or bad the game is. That, that just doesn't happen. And... Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, in playing the game so far, it's pretty much like the original Big Brain on 3DS, uh, except that there's a multiplayer um, aspect to it. I never actually played any of the game on single player. Um, I did some research and saw that you don't actually unlock anything, so I didn't really want to deal with that. And when you play multiplayer, you know, you're you're, you're playing with another person, uh, whether it's locally or whatever. And um, uh, the, the main thing is you can either play it with buttons, you know, separate controllers, or you can actually be playing on the same screen using the touch screen. And the touch screen is actually the better way to play it because there were there are a bunch of games where you actually have to choose uh, the right uh, answer by like going through a whole bunch of choices. And there are some cases where uh, the choices you make are really jumbled up and it's hard for your um, controller to really pinpoint where they are. So touching them is actually the, the better way to go. And yeah, I was playing with my brother and I played on like the super elite, like the, the hardest mode. And these things were, were, were extremely difficult. Like, um, there are some points where you have to guess like um, what an animal is just based on like um, part of the photo being shown. Uh, there were some math questions there, like how many cubes are in this picture? And you'll see like cubes stacked up on each other. So you want to be able to use like your knowledge of multiplication and like uh, knowing where the boxes are to go and go ahead and count them because you can count them one by one, but you'll take forever. And it's a race um, between you and your competition to see how fast you're able to answer these questions. The thing is, if you get anything wrong, you lose points. Um, if you get if you get things right, you want to be quicker than your opponent because you you get more points that way. And yeah, it's basically it's it's, it's the first to a hundred points, and um, uh, or, or yeah, not really the first to hundred points, but like you have the option to play like three, five, or seven mini games, and it's going to be the best of those. And yeah, you're awarded points at each game. And there are about I want to say maybe twenty five mini games in um, in the game, and you can actually like uh, bust through them all maybe within two hours, um, and it's really enjoyable. Um, as far as its price, like I would say $15 is right there. Uh, the game is pretty bare-boned. 
there could be some opportunities for DLC, but I don't see Nintendo doing that, especially after dropping the price so quickly. Um, but yeah, like at $15, you're right at home here. I definitely wouldn't spend 30 bucks on this game. Uh, and then lastly, I finally uh, got my hands on Chicory. Uh, this game was actually um, shadow dropped on the Switch right after the um, the Indie World presentation that we'll talk about later. Um, but I actually got it on uh, PS5. Uh, it was on sale last week for about two days, and I think I got it for around 15 or $18, and I don't remember. But this is a game that I've had my eye on for a while, and it's very similar to like those top-down Zeldas. But uh, the key point in the game is just really, you're living in a black-and-white world, and you want to be able to color it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I haven't really delved too far into it yet, but this is like one of the indie games that I really want to get in my hands, and I'm looking forward to uh, playing some more. But at the, in the meantime, you know, we, we, we have some uh, Game of the Year stuff to run, so I can't be spending too much time on that. Um, I didn't list it on the thing yet, but I've also started Deathloop. And um, so far, it's really solid. Um, not really too far into it yet. Maybe an hour, two hours into the game. Mm. And I'm really liking like uh, the, 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 loop, the loop aspect in here. Like, you're walking around and seeing all these clues that seem sort of... Um, uh, they, they seem sort of Dark Soulish, where it's like, okay, yeah, this person dies here and things like that, but it's all part of the single-player loop. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's interesting seeing, seeing, seeing things in that regard. And, like, you know, um, it's, it's, it's the simple, or not really the simple, it's the, it's the classic arcane gameplay of, like, you know, should I rush in and kill all these enemies, or should I, like, do things the stealthy way? And uh, things like that. But, like, unlike, you know, Dishonored, there's no, like, warping or things like that. So you really have to know the area before you go in guns blazing. And yeah, um, yeah the also world, unlike uh, Dishonored, you're not penalized for violence, so you can pretty oh, exactly, much just... yeah. So <laughs> you, you, uh, you can play however you want to play. Um, but the, the thing is, like, it's it's one of those things where you don't really want to die because, like, you'll it's 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 kind of like a roguelike in the sense where you'll lose all your shit um, on 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 that level and whatnot. So you want to be able to at least finish it and then you know go back into it again if you have to. So. Um, it's, 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 it's definitely interesting so far. I don't know if this is the kind of game that I'll want to finish, but I am definitely understanding all the praise that it gets. And, um, you know, I, I got this game for like 20 bucks on Black Friday, so it was, it was a great purchase. But yeah, that's about it. All right. So yeah, let's, uh, start getting some news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, first up, Ubisoft announced a big new expansion for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is called, let's see, Dawn of Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I believe it'll be out March. Where is it? The date at here. I believe it's in March. They don't have it listed here. Uh, but you can pre-order it now. It's 40 bucks, so it should be a big, huge one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more interesting thing they're doing that is out right now is they have updates for Valhalla and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yep that introduces some new story missions that are crossing over the two games. So you yep. have Ivor coming to the world of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Cassandra or Alexios coming into the uh, the world of Valhalla. Mm-hmm. So you can download those updates. Uh, should have been downloaded in the last week or so here, but yeah, those are free. Uh, mm-hmm. Check that stuff out. I don't know if you really get that much in the way of gear or anything especially mm-hmm. uh, but it is a nice uh, bonus thing to do uh, for uh, the holidays here mm. get a little bit extra out of those two games uh, or whatever one you have whatever yeah um, definitely Odyssey is good Valhalla is also good I will say though that 
really the problem with both of those games is just the deluge of stuff in it that you can do that it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Especially, yeah, especially if you have like gaming o you know, like gaming O C D. It's can be particularly uh yeah. Yeah, I probably put like sixty hours into Odyssey and I'm not probably not that close to the end. Mm-mm. Uh, cause I just like exploring and finding stuff all around there to do. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah. Uh, let's get to probably one of the weirdest stories of the week. So Final Fantasy XIV has been a pretty big success of late for the past year or so. Uh, so much so kind of stretching the limits of what Square Enix's servers can do mm-hmm. uh, for this. And conveniently, they put out Endwalker here a few weeks ago. Mm. And it's been a really big issue because the game is just so popular and and Walker is bringing in more people that's they, their servers are just crumpling under the weight of all this new people. Uh, So they are essentially suspending the sale of it. Yeah. uh, For a bit here. At least until they can upgrade their servers, I guess. Yeah. They are suspending sale for the Final Fantasy 14 starter edition and complete edition. Mm -hmm. So if you already have the game, uh, you don't have to worry about it. You can buy Endwalker and still jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people that have nothing, uh, they cannot purchase it now. Mm-hmm. Outside of maybe physical versions that are still out there. Uh, but yeah, if you are just on the free trial, you know, cue the meme about the free trial. Uh, they are going to be secondary in the list of people that are prioritized to log in. Those with mm-hmm. an active subscription are prioritized to get in first. Free trial players are unable to log in outside of late night and early morning hours. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're also temporarily suspending new registrations for the free trial as yeah. well. Yes. Yeah, the game really has just had this explosion of success recently. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure what the solution is here. Yeah. I guess they could just throw more servers on there, uh, which maybe solves the issue. But then, you know, once it, calms down a bit i don't know if it even calms down really i wonder a uh, part of me thinks is like there there was just this the reason this is an issue is because you know the developers had sort of a a sort of um preconceived notion of like what their subscriber numbers would be and that they didn't really see it going up like this yeah i don't know they i think they were aware that there would be server issues maybe mm. just not aware that it would kind of keep being an issue mm-hmm. for this long uh, a few weeks after and causing issues where people are just waiting for absurd amounts of time to mm-hmm. get into the just logging in because there's queues and all that stuff so yeah I think they also said they're going to be suspending ads uh, for the time being as well so not to tell people to jump into a game that's not wanting them right now mm-hmm so yeah, it's kind of a, a whole weird situation that they are in, but one that at least means that people are eager and willing to toss money at them, mm-hmm. which is maybe not uh, as much of a thing that you can say about maybe other uh, games they put out uh, in the past couple of years. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like a good problem to have. Hopefully they get mm-hmm. things under control. I don't know. 
I think a lot of it, I wouldn't be surprised if a good chunk of these people are people who are basically uh, Warcraft refugees. <laughs> yeah. Also, people getting their friends in because with any of these MMOs, you see a big jump in numbers for a release of an expansion pack. Mm-hmm. People buy it, jump in to play at least for you know a month or two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that seems like a a thing that people uh, will be doing, especially with the holidays releasing right before the holidays. Probably a uh, something that helps uh, make it a bigger issue is getting a lot of people that are, you know, going to be off uh, Mm. for a week or two here. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a a good problem for Square to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll go over to this story. Uh, Another problem that they had, if you remember earlier this year, that the Final Fantasy VII remake was on PlayStation Plus. Yeah. And they specifically mentioned that uh, if you have that game... Uh, you will not be able to upgrade to the PS5 version because mm-hmm. that would be throwing away money for Square Enix. Uh, so it seems now here some, you know, six, seven months later, I forget exactly when that happened. might have been back in March or something uh, earlier this year. But they said on their Twitter account with uh, very little in the way of details, saying that starting on Wednesday, PlayStation Plus subscribers who redeemed Final Fantasy VII Remake mm-hmm. via PlayStation Plus will be able to upgrade to the PS5 version of the game. They will also be putting the DLC on sale for ep- the episode Intermission, the Yuffie DLC, a uh, little uh, sort of additional episode. It'll mm-hmm. be 25% off for about 15 bucks uh, for a limited time. I don't know if that's going to be... That probably is a new PSN sale. It's going to be starting that Wednesday, I assume. Yeah. So, good news. But there's also plenty of wiggle room here for Square Enix to be a very Square Enix company. Yeah. Maybe find a way to charge for this upgrade, even though it's free for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, find a way to make sure that this upgrade to the PS5 version is also still only for... PS Plus, uh, so that there would still be an expiration because any of the other games that have had the upgrade to a PS5 version uh, has removed that requirement. Mm-hmm. So Square Enix is probably like, yeah, we don't want to be that nice to these. Could very well be. I don't know. There's plenty of wiggle room for them to be uh, annoying to these people, but also the, the weird irony is people were kind of very weird when hearing about this version not being upgradable Mm -hmm. is that they some people decide not to redeem it at all so now they're you know shit out of luck Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah it's 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 a weird problem to have i mean like you know just being me and looking at the situation it, it, it does suck if this sort of influenced you to like go ahead and buy the physical version of the game but at the same time, like this game's been out for a couple of years now, and we've seen multiple sales, so I don't mm-hmm. feel that much remorse. And at the same time, the PS4 to PS5 upgrade isn't huge at all. Um, like maybe I like the world's best TV, but I would assume that if you really cared about this game, you probably would have. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think the PS5 version fixes that apartment door mm-hmm. in the early part of the game that looks really fucking <laughs> yeah, terrible. I mean, that's really it. Yeah. Uh. There definitely is some things that look a bit nicer about it, but it's not 
a huge improvement concerning how good that original game looked. Uh, but mm-hmm. it does run at 60 FPS, and that is a nice improvement for that version. But yeah, so uh, Wednesday, you seem like you'll be able to get that uh, PS5 version if you got it on PS Plus. Uh, we'll have to stay tuned to see if there are any catches there that Screenix can pull to get one over on you. Uh, I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, at least uh, a tentatively nice thing to finally relent on that. So yeah, there's that. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. Uh, we talked about it the other week that Paper Mario is being added for the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. That, and the way they were messaging all this, it seemed like that was the only thing coming this month. And then uh, Nintendo basically uh, said, uh, no, we're also putting out five Genesis games on, let's see, uh, the 17th. That would be Friday. Mm-hmm. Might have been Thursday. I don't know. Um, they dropped five of those games randomly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they wouldn't have mentioned this with the Paper Mario update. Mm. To say, like, hey, the week after that, we're going to put out some Genesis games as well to quell the people that were annoyed at the one game a month thing that it was looking to be. Uh, but let's see. The games that have been added, Altered Beast, Toe Jam and Earl, Dynamite Heady, Sword of Vermilion, and Thunder Force 2 are now available to play uh, for those that have the Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack uh, for that. So you get some neat games there. Altered Beast, unfortunately, is also in there. Mm-hmm. The game just is terrible. Uh, but you get to check out Sword of Vermilion, which I believe is like a Zelda-style action RPG. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's pretty neat, though it's also uh, has some issues. But that's about all I know about it. Make it Dynamite Heady, which is like a 2D platformer. Uh, where your weapon is your head, I believe. Sort of mm-hmm. throw your head around. Uh, let's see, Thunder Force 2 is, yeah, scrolling uh, shmup. So there's mm. that. And Toe Jam and Earl's like a very early roguelite kind of game. Yeah. To it, the way it's set up. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's randomized levels. You're finding items that mm-hmm. it doesn't tell you what they do until mm-hmm. you use them. Uh, some of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it's some neat stuff there if you haven't checked it out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely good for the historical part of the library. Um, you know, Altered Beast, Toe Jam and Earl, sort of Vermilion are all like huge as far as the uh, Genesis history. Mm-hmm. I personally am not a big fan of um, either of these games. Um, Altered Beast is li- literally hard for no reason to the point where it's impossible. Toe Jam Pretty and Earl is to me when it came out, and you know the remake also makes no sense to me. And sort of Vermilion is also kind of hard. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's it's typical Sega stuff, but these don't actually move the needle for me. But I'm glad to know they're out. Yeah, though now you could just create save states and not necessarily have to start over uh, with that kind of stuff or rewind. This is sort true. Of point. I, I've, I've admittedly never made use of that feature very much at all, but I probably should. Right. I've used that in, like, Donkey Kong Country when I fail jumps or get killed. I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to rewind. And get second chances. I don't care if it makes it easier. It doesn't fucking matter. These games are almost 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's uh, some nice stuff there. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, let's get to some new stuff. Picross S7 has finally been announced for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, weirdly enough, it is out on the 23rd in Japan, but here in the U.S. and North America as a whole. Yeah. It's going to be out January 10th for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I've uh, been anticipating this because I've played through all the Picross games I have on my Switch. Mm-hmm. All the various ones. Uh, even when I got my uh, year-in-review thing for the Switch, uh, my top three games are all Picross games. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't all that many uh, amazing games to sink time into. Mm-hmm. That I was interested in. I was so starved for Picross. I've been playing through... Uh, the first one doing the mega Picross puzzles, which are all the same puzzles, just they change how they lay out the the hint stuff, the number stuff, mm-hmm. uh, to make it harder. Uh, so that's what I'm almost done with the first one, and I still have a few more weeks for this to come out. So still gotta wait, but the the new things are adding here. There's touchscreen c- controls now, mm-hmm. so sort of like the 3DS games, uh, you can now. You know, use your finger to play uh, if you want. I don't know. It's going to be a great mm. way to play it because you're not playing with a stylus unless you get a specific kind of stylus that can work on the Switch. Uh, but yeah, there's like a they say touch hold uh, so that you can touch hold and touch toggle uh, so you can keep it on or off, whatever. I don't know what that is, but they also change the uh, the the way you unlock the bonus puzzles. I think the past few games you've had to own the first three Picross mm-hmm. games, Picross S, S2, and S3, to unlock these three extra large 40 by 30 puzzles. Uh, now they require S4, S5, and S6, the last three games, mm-hmm. to unlock that stuff so you can get some extra puzzles if you already own the, uh, the newer games. Mm-hmm. Um, they also allow the Mega Picross puzzles to be uh, able to unlock the clip Picross puzzles. So those would be uh, sort of bigger puzzles they would have made up of smaller puzzles that you complete. Mm. Uh, but you'd have to play like a row of puzzles in the the main uh, Picross listing of puzzles. Mm-hmm. Every sort of row you complete it unlocks a clip uh, piece. Uh, so now you can do that with Mega Picross. I don't know if that means that there are ones specially just for Mega Picross completions. Mm. I don't know, but Still waiting to find out more about that, but I'll probably be picking that up so I can have uh, something mm-hmm. new to play. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Windjammers 2 finally has a release date. It is January 20th mm-hmm. for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC. Uh, yeah, going to be there's going to be physical versions by Limited Run Games. Uh, but yeah, that'll be a sequel to the classic Neo Geo game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Features a bunch of the original characters coming back as well as new ones. It looks really nice. Uh, .mu is the one doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, working it. They've done some beta testing. So I have to test out the online play and it seems to work pretty well. So that's pretty cool. That'll be out here in about a month from now. For people that are into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also coming out in January, Sony revealed finally some new colors for the dual sense hmm. and as well as that announced console covers that whole weird thing with uh, i think it was d brand that kept trying to make uh covers for the consoles in other colors and sony kept 
legally fucking with them. Yep. Uh, and now we know why, because they're doing their own. And they have matching covers to the controllers they've released, the new colors. Mm-hmm. And they all look pretty nice. Oh. So yeah, in addition to the, the black and red controllers they've already released, there are now purple, there's like a light blue, and a pink as well. I think they're called Nova Pink, Starlight Blue, and Galactic Purple. Oh. All of which look pretty nice. And then there are matching covers for each of them. I think the covers are like 55 bucks, which is pretty pricey, but this, uh, they keep going with this. This is a cheaper way to get more limited edition, you know, covers than having to buy a whole new console. Like Dan has been doing for some of the special switch models. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that no date yet, just January. They're going to be out. seems like the, the black and the red console cover is going to be the first ones to come out and the others will come out a little bit later. So does this mm-hmm. uh, move the needle for any of you guys? Granted, Brandon doesn't have a PS5, but... Uh, Not yet, anyway. Uh, I'm fine with the black and white. Now that I have all three consoles are black and white, mm-hmm. they'll match, and also my PS5 sits behind my TV, so I don't see it anyway. I never mm-hmm. really care. I was never really annoyed by the look of the PS5, and I don't see it all that often, so it doesn't yeah, matter Yeah, I mean, me. like, it, it, it's one of those cases where, like... You know, especially when the console is new, uh, you know, you you really care about the aesthetic and whatnot. But after it's sat on the shelf for a couple of years now, and I, I don't really care, much less uh, I don't really care about spending $50 for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with controllers, though, it's different. You know, I'm, I'm very happy to see controllers all have a new uh, That red is really nice. I still don't have it, but I'm happy with the black and the white. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to see that, you know, there, there, there's options. The main thing is, you know, uh, them actually being accessible, but yeah, fifty bucks. I don't really see myself spending that, but I do hope this sort of paves the way for um, maybe independent artists in the future, whether at comic cons or other conventions, where they go ahead and sell their own custom art on the. Um, other than that, like I'm, I'm glad this is something that PlayStation has done. I just uh, don't think. Yeah, it's for the people that's that basically said, "Oh, I'll pay to change the colors of these things," mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, all right, here you go. Uh, but yeah, they still look nice. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with how it, how it looks or the, the dual sense or any of that stuff. I've never really gone for these types of covers. To be honest, I'm always fine with just the way the system is manufactured. Yeah. it's. I'm generally pretty fine with that stuff. I think the only ones that I've gone for other colors are just like uh, the DS, 3DS, GBA. Well, yeah, but those are manufactured out of the gate with different colors. Yeah. uh, I came at those a little bit later Mm -hmm. uh, for that stuff. So I got like the the NES GBA SP when that came out. That was sort of the first one I grabbed. I think the the DS stuff was probably all generally stock color stuff. But the 3DS, I have the, the Super Nintendo... Uh, model for the new 3ds XL mm-hmm. sort of thing, but they never really sold the the covers for the new 3ds that they did in Japan. But mm-hmm. yeah, to keep this going, they could definitely release ones for each of the big games if they wanted to. That kind of stuff. So you notice I have to go and spend 500 bucks on a random drop of stock at a one of the retailers and hope to get it. So yeah, that's uh that's that. 
Uh, let's see. Also happening, let's see, in March, Chocobo GP will finally be out. Mm-hmm. March 10th for the Switch. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the only platform it's coming out on. That's sort of the follow-up to the old uh, mm-hmm. Chocobo racing game on the PS1. But yeah, it seems like that's going to happen. I don't know mm-hmm. what sort of audience that has. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Mm. Yeah, so... There's that. Uh, that's it for the dates we have. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it seems like uh, this has been a long time coming. People have been wondering when Splinter Cell is returning. They've done plenty of tie-in stuff with other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ghost Recon stuff they've done a couple times. And some of the other games, that's been funny when that happens. And it's like, oh, this isn't the game you want. It's just Sam Fisher showing up in some other game that you don't care mm. about. Yeah. Uh, but it now seems like Ubisoft is actually making a Splinter Cell remake mm-hmm. as they put out a teaser trailer showing the three green lights of his uh, his uh, visor, his little mm-hmm. goggles there. So yeah, it's going to happen. No idea when or any real details or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think it's going to be headed up by Ubisoft Toronto, who made Far Cry 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also worked on the last Splinter Cell game, Blacklist. So there's that. And it's going to be an, a remake, not a remaster. So mm-hmm. it's going to be all new visuals and maps and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if it's going to take the exact story and all that. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to see when they have things to actually show, because the way Ubisoft is going right now with their various games, this is probably going to be at least a few years away. Because mm. uh, that, uh, that Prince of Persia remake was supposed to be happening early this year, and it's now going to be happening sometime next year. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a weird Ubisoft announcement. I mean, at least with Prince of Persia, or even, you know, Beyond Good and Evil 2, they showed a little bit of something. This is just a picture of, like, you know, the goggles. And, like, we haven't seen Splinter Cell in literal years, and this used to be a franchise that, you know, used to be recycled over and over. So it's kind of disappointing, mm-hmm. especially if you're a fan of the series, to definitely know that it's coming back and have seen Sam Fisher in various games that have nothing to do with the actual series. And mm-hmm. this is the way they do it. Like, I mean, it's it, it's a foregone conclusion that they're eventually going to go back to Splinter Cell. So... I don't really see why it required this kind of announcement. Like, this is something you put on a, on, on a job board, you know? Like, obviously nothing has started. They're, they're recruiting now. And, yeah, we don't know who's going to be on that team. And, yeah, if, if, if you're a fan of the series, like, that sucks. Like, this, mm-hmm. this probably should have been, like, you know, in development a long time ago for a long time. And to think that they're barely starting now, I don't know. Like, to me, it just seems, like, sort of brain dead. And, again, at least... um. We saw something with uh, with Prince of Persia and Beyond Good and Evil too. This this only sets you up for even more expectation in the future, and I don't know. To me, that's probably going to lead to disappointment. I hope it doesn't because Splinter Cell is an, is an awesome series. But mm-hmm. yeah, and it's kind of wild to put this out a week after the Game Awards. Where it's like this would have been a perfect like teaser thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, like when, when we saw Perfect Dark a few years ago and never saw it again, like, this mm-hmm. could be... Yeah. Hey, it's going into the 
pre-production phase at this point as they figure out what's going on, hire people to work on it and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a while, probably a late-gen game now at this point. So Splinter Cell fans, you're getting something. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll be good, but who knows. Uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah. The the back four Blood Devs Turtle Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like that game has done pretty well for themselves. Mm. And as sort of a reward for that, they have been acquired by Tencent mm. uh, fully. So that'll, at the, the very least, give them some more solid financial ground to be on. Because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't seem like Back for Blood is going to be a huge game, but it seems like it's doing perfectly fine for the time being, mm-hmm. especially as a Game Pass game. Uh, so there's at least part of the audience that has some more steady access to it for the mm-hmm. time being. But yeah, that's uh, nothing that has happened. I guess there's six studio that they have purchased this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot they purchased Clay Entertainment in January. Yeah. June, they yeah they increased its investment in Jaeger. Mm-hmm. Take a majority ownership of the studio that made Spec Ops Line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they bought Sumo Digital uh, a little bit after that, and then they bought a majority stake in Stunlock Studios. Mm. And also bought up Swedish dev Fat Shark in early 2021. So, yeah, they got a stable of uh, studios there in the the Western market since uh, Mm -hmm. the Chinese market is kind of in a bit of turmoil at the moment. Well, yeah, mostly because it's partly due to the fact that um, a huge, enormous part of the Chinese gaming industry was largely made up of, uh, you know, gotcha games with gambling mechanics. Yeah. And, uh, like, no, like, really, they represented an oversized portion of the entire industry in China. And, uh, as everybody knows, knows the, uh, the Communist Party has made it clear that that's not good anymore. Um, and on top of that, they've also, you know, put regulations forward so that, you know, kids won't accidentally spend all of their parents' money on one of these games either by uh, giving, you know, strict, uh, you know, time limits on how much they can play on these games and uh, how much they can spend at a time. Yeah. And it seems like... For the record, years... though, if it's, if it's a single-player game, the, there are no restrictions. Yeah. It seems like some of these companies are just finding ways to invest outside of China. Yeah. I have to add that in because that story got kind of taken out of context and started spreading. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And they have less access to Western games than you would maybe think. Yeah. It's not, not a ton come over there. Not a ton, but they also have a ton of VPNs too. So Yeah. But yeah, there's that news. And we'll get to kind of a very weird studio announcement. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Disrespect announced a new studio with, I'm trying to see who else is here. I think, was it uh, Robert Bowling? Used Mm -hmm. to be one of the top community guys for Call of Duty and some other people that worked on Halo and Mm -hmm. some of that kind of stuff. He used to work at the one of the Call of Duty studios. I forget which one. Uh, before he became a big Twitch streamer 
his whole gimmick is being an asshole and then made that his whole thing by, you know, doing the live streaming thing as he walked around that one year, then went to the mm-hmm. bathrooms where, you know, somebody that's underage was in there. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a big no, no for pretty much any law in this country, uh, as well as had the whole big mm-hmm. thing where he, uh, it came out that he had cheated on his wife and all that. And he stopped streaming for like a, a few weeks, I think mm-hmm. and came back eventually. So I was doing his own studios, calling it a triple A studio. I don't know what the, and it's called midnight society. So it's like, if you're not, uh, interested in anything he has to say or do, just add that to a list of studios. You don't, you want nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, that's uh Sure, that's something mm-hmm. he can do. I'm sure he's not going to tie his whole gimmick into this thing. Oh, he totally is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, let's see. Let's get over to some blockchain and NFT news. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Kickstarter, for some reason nobody really knows, uh, decided that they are going to move the entire platform over to the blockchain which has not gotten any real positive support from the kickstarter community Mm -hmm. uh, saying that yeah let's see this makes everything easier and more open Mm -hmm. argument that's you know crypto people always make about this stuff but doesn't really explain why it needs this how it's going to improve things uh, and even when they've gotten negative reactions almost uniformly, they have been, you know, unwilling to, you know, change anything, any of their plans. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it seems like a lot of people are just saying, you know what, fuck this. We're not going to put our stuff on your platform anymore. Mm-hmm. Our news, our news stuff, at least. Mm-hmm. And other yeah, tweets about it has also been not great. I was saying, like, let's see. Uh, the bottom line, we're doing this because we believe it will be, uh, will benefit creators and exponentially expand our ability to help bring creative projects to life. Can't do this alone. We're plenty more ways to make sure your voices are heard. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this uh, not a great move on their part. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it was ever a a site or a service that was you know, in need of any sort of big change mm-hmm. or just the people behind it properly supporting, you know, projects and all that. So yeah, this, uh, it's a good way to flush all their goodwill down the drain, mm-hmm. whatever's left of it. Ah. So yeah, let's get to, uh, Ubisoft. They started doing the NFT stuff and it's come out that, uh, when they announced this, uh, developers that did not work at the Ghost Recon Breakpoint mm-hmm. studio uh, were thoroughly confused as to what the yeah. hell was going on, why like, they were doing this. Why, yeah, they their internal social media hub quickly filled up with questions and concerns from devs across the company. Some didn't understand which old problems the new tech actually solved, while others were worried about receiving mandates to start integrating NFTs into their own games. Uh, I still don't really understand the problem being solved here. Wrote one employee. Is it really worth the extremely negative publicity this will cause? Mm-hmm. Another asks, how can you look at private property, speculation, artificial scarcity, and egoism 
then say, yes, this is good. I want that. Let's put that in. Let's put it in art. Mm -hmm. Uh, I normally try to say positive on our announcements. This one is upsetting. Wrote a third. Some devs raised environmental concerns. Uh, the the Tezos crypto that this is based on uh, mm. derives its value from proof of stake technology rather than the proof of work algorithms, mm -hmm. which is a bit better, but maybe not all that great either way. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so their internal stuff has not been going over super well, uh, so much so that they've had a follow-up with like a, uh, what was it, like a video Q&A mm -hmm. this week to try and reassure devs about their this new initiative. Mm -hmm. uh, but they said his answers were vague and leaned on buzzwords like Metaverse, Web 3.0, uh, <laughs> confusing people even further and just not really answering anything that's, you know, made people feel better about what was going on. Yeah. Why is this giving me like really bad uh, images of Ubisoft's future? I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's weirdly almost cult-like in the way it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I haven't gotten a chance to like talk much about um, NFTs on the show because like I haven't, mm -hmm. them, but I'm actually someone who doesn't completely reject the idea of them. Uh, to me, it's just that I have yet to see a reason for them to be put in a game that actually makes the experience better. Mm -hmm. Unless you're somebody, you know, um, that finds it fun to collect things and, you know, sell them, which, which, which is something that I do. Like, you know, I've, I've gotten involved. Those are pretty fun. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you have to know who your audience is. You know, um, mm. as someone that works in mobile gaming, like, you know, not everybody, you know, like, like go, going back to what Blizzard did during BlizzCon, you can't just show people, you know, um, Diablo on your phone and think that'll go ahead and appeal to your masses of fans. Mm -hmm. You have to know who your audience is and like how to actually, you know, persuade them to think that your product is actually awesome. And the main thing with all this NFT stuff going into mainstream gaming is, is that it's, there, there, there's nothing fun with it. And even games that are only NFT, they're still like trying to like discover like what, what what's even worth it. because you know mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to say that NFTs are a scam and you know what like maybe there are but at the same time we haven't actually found a game where there actually is value in them. So, yeah, that's something that they'll have to discover. But doing it the way they are now makes absolutely no sense, especially when they're getting all this bad publicity and especially since we're going into the holidays. Like you know mm -hmm. where. We're trying to buy things for other people, like not worry about investments just yet. Like if you want to go ahead and have this announcement, like, you know, maybe February, March, where you're the, the new fiscal years are starting, not where they're ending. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just yeah. Weird. And that's kind of the thing is like, nobody is able to answer like what this adds to the game in any mm -hmm. meaningful way compared to what they could do previously. Especially since Ubisoft owns their own you know, network infrastructure between all their games, they could easily do, you know, stuff that carries over between games. And they've done some forms of that kind of stuff. But yeah, this just kind of reeks of things you're doing because, you know, there's investment money out there mm -hmm. for anybody willing to invest in sort of blockchain technology, NFTs, crypto, any of that kind of stuff right now. And a lot of these companies seem just to be poised to 
do at least just enough to get those people on board. Mm-hmm. Which is like, okay, but you have to actually prove that it's there for a legitimate reason. Otherwise, people are just going to be annoyed and potentially even just refuse to buy and support your games. Mm-hmm. If you're just catering to this, you know, crypto bro, mm-hmm. you know, group that weren't going to support you before until you added these weird things that speculatively could make them some money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they mentioned here, comment from a dev uh, for the Kotaku article, I'm here to make games to promote fun and entertainment. I don't see how this is going in that direction. It's just another way to milk money. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the thing. It seems like the the latest kind of microtransaction trend of sorts of finding ways to eke more money out of this, mm-hmm. whether it's directly from the players or from investors. I'm actually going further. I think that this is going to be that uh, actually very, if what we're hearing right now, very soon, we're going to start uh, hearing uh, some similar stories about unionization efforts and stuff coming out of here, like what we saw out of Activision Blizzard last week. Yeah. Because if there's this big of like a lack of communication between the higher ups and the uh, developers on the ground, then yeah, there is some serious issues with this company. Yeah, uh-huh. I think the main thing is really just going to be laying out the ground because a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes is you're seeing a lot of big shot executives who actually mm-hmm. know their way around gaming, you know, leave their big companies to join these NFT startups. So as long uh-huh. as like, these, you know, these NFT games are being built from the ground up and they know what the vision is and we know what the groundwork is, mm-hmm. then yeah, there is some potential there. But, you know, like I said earlier, uh, it can't just be integrated into something that's already there, you know, for the, for the, for the sake of the money. At the end of the day, it is about the money, but at the same time, like, this is an entertainment industry. We want to be entertained by this, and so far, it's not entertaining. Yeah, and it's, it seems like even the people that worked on Ghost Recon Breakpoint that, you know, worked so hard after launch to get that game to uh, mm-hmm. a better place, uh, a more respectable place, to only have Ubisoft be like, all right, put NFTs in this. Mm-hmm. We're willing to throw this this game's reputation in the mud again mm-hmm. over this, which is not really a great uh, way to handle uh, you know, relations with your devs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where all this stuff goes with Ubisoft if it just kind of burns out and they just stop doing it, mm. which could very well be where it goes. Yeah. Uh We'll see, but we did get our first big test of what the community response would be on this stuff as Mm -hmm. uh, one of the more popular games coming out next year, Stalker 2 Heart of Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. Uh, The studio GSC Game World announced uh, earlier this week that they were going to be putting NFTs into the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Come January, GSC will auction off the chance for one player to have their face photogrammetrically scanned onto a non-player character. Studio calls the first ever metahuman. It's unclear the extent to which you'll be able to interact with this NPC, whether or not they'll be a significant character in the narrative or just a one-off character. That shows up for two seconds, you know, to say what's up and leave. 
Uh, but yeah, beyond the skin option to put your face in a computer character's face, they will feature more NFTs and what GSC called highly secretive Genesis packs uh. to be announced in February via Twitter and Discord. They did not detail what these NFTs would entail, but noted that none of them will, quote, influence the gameplay itself or give in-game advantages over other players in Stalker 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, CEO saying, considering the global trends in gaming, we can do more than just offer an immersive game experience. Our players can get a deeper presence in the game. We will give them this opportunity by presenting the first AAA game with a unique meta experience. Whoa. Again, I don't know why that has to be through like NFT stuff. You can easily have somebody, you know, send high-res pictures of their face mm-hmm. to scan them into a game like this. And I don't know what the other NFT stuff was going to entail, but the response from the community was uh, pretty much universally negative mm-hmm. to the point that the devs put up a weird tweet basically being like, uh, yeah, here it is. I'm going to give a detailed comment on yesterday's announcement of NFT bonuses for Stalker 2. GSC Game World is an independent game developer studio. We have no publisher, but we do have wonderful partners, an incredible team, and a dream of a game that you will sincerely love. Just like all other devs, we need two main resources, time and money. But it's like painting them as like the little guys, you know, that need the funding and all this. Uh, why do we choose NFT? It's a new technology, and we are eager to, to quote, do NFT right. Mm-hmm. For certain fans, an opportunity to, quote, get into the game without interfering with other players' experience. That's why the tokens are entirely optional and no impact on gameplay or story, mm. the weapons, quests, locations, etc., and can be activated only before the game release. And so, like, this whole thing keeps going. It's very much like a, we hear that you're not happy, but we're still doing it, so mm-hmm. tough nuts. Mm-hmm. And then shortly later, they posted another one as basically like, Dear Stalkers, we hear you. Based on the feedback we received, we've made a decision to cancel anything NFT-related in Stalker 2. The interests of our fans and players are the top priority for your team. We're making this game for you to enjoy whatever the cost is. If you care, we care too. With love, GSC Game World Team. And they deleted that first tweet that was like, ah, here's why we're doing it. If you don't like it, it's tough. Uh, they deleted that tweet and then posted this uh, apology tweets. It's like, at least that happened quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that they listened at all because the way they kind of presented themselves as like a AAA studio and all this, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, no reason to really do this other than, as they said, for money. Mm-hmm. So they want more funding funding uh, for that beyond the stuff they've gotten from their partners like Microsoft and all that. Mm-hmm. But in the process, they tanked their game's reputation on this. Yeah. And got a lot of people to say, like, well, I was going to check this on Game Pass or buy it on Steam or whatever, and maybe I won't. So now they have to work hard to convince those people to be back on board. After this whole weird situation, that was a a big uh, self-harm, self uh, self-crit, I guess, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Make this one big 180 within a few days. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, luckily, they are flexible enough to realize that they can uh, change it. 
Mm-hmm. Find some other means of doing that stuff that they want to, but people don't really want their games, especially like a single player game where there's nothing really all about it that seems like it would fit NFTs. Mm-hmm. Other than just here's a way we can sell some stuff for extra money. Yeah. To that certain kind of person. But yeah, the way there's like, oh, this, this has nothing, this affects nothing about the story or the gameplay or anything. So it's like, then why should people buy it? Mm-hmm. Just because they can? I don't know. But hey, that happened. Uh, but yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, we have our first video game union in uh, North America. Let's hope it is the first of several. Yep. Uh, this one probably is in a studio you recognize. Uh, it is one called Vodio games mm-hmm. uh, they are working on oh uh, they worked on a recent release called beast breaker mm-hmm. a turn-based pinball rpg mm-hmm. uh, let's see yeah the, they revealed they've unionized management of the studios voluntarily recognizing the newly formed group called bodio workers united mm-hmm. being the first of its kind in the video game industry in north america mm-hmm. Entirely remote studio employs 13 developers, over half of whom are contractors, which will also be included in the union. Uh, because of audio management, which includes former uh, founder and co-director Asher Vollmer, mm-hmm. is voluntarily recognized in Rodeo Workers United. No unionization vote with the National Labor Review Board is necessary, and developers there can begin negotiations on their first contract right away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it makes sense. They have a Twitter account if you want to follow them for that. Uh, there are other video game unions, but they are in other countries. Yeah. This is the first American one. Yeah. yeah first here in North America. Uh, so yeah, there's that. So that's neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it leads to other studios doing the same. Yeah. Maybe eventually publishers. Yeah. Because yeah, there's not really much downside if you're making, you know, Games to sell. Mm-hmm. And with how many studios that's uh, out there, big and small, you know, public and private, that run into issues with crunch and all this other stuff. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I looked up the studio for a game that I had played uh, a few years ago that was just terrible. And I looked up the studio. Mm-hmm. Didn't really see any site for it, but I did see Glassdoor reviews. Mm-hmm. It seemed to suggest it was a crunch nightmare. Mm hmm. And the studio no longer exists because the game sold poorly. Uh, so, mm-hmm. problem solved there. Either they shut down or they unionize and get better. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's good news there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. but, yeah, let's see. Let's get to the last part of the show, the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nintendo decided to end the year with a Indie World Showcase. No direct for... Uh, the people that wanted that, but we get some news on indie games that are coming to the Switch here over the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the striking thing is there's very few of these games that got actual dates. Mm-hmm. And four were out now as of the, the stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like one other one that has a date, and the rest are all just here's, you know, a time frame, uh, you know, a season when it's going to be out. Or a month, something like that. So we'll kind of work our way through this pretty quickly. Let's see. Let's start off with Sea of Stars, mm-hmm. uh, which is a JRPG based in the world of the Messenger, mm-hmm. which is a bit weird. 
and also that... developed by the guys who did the messenger. So, yeah. and it has uh, Yasunari Mitsuda doing music for it. Who mm-hmm. did the music for Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, and Xenoblade Chronicles Two? That's going to be out in holiday 2022. Switch and PC so far. Mm-hmm. The messenger does not seem like a a world that a JRPG would be in, but sure. That was a Ninja Gaiden style game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but looked pretty neat. Very much looked like they were trying to make a Chrono style game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like what they showed was pretty amazing. Um, I'm wondering how, like, I know it's a it's a turn based battle system, but it seemed to borrow a lot of uh, what makes a lot of the uh, MMO RPGs really good too. So I'm interested in seeing that, just because. Um, the turn-based um, combat in a lot of MMOs that I've played, I've never really liked all that much, so I'm mm-hmm. interested in seeing how that turns out. But as far as like it being in the Messenger universe, yeah, um, that is pretty weird, but it also lends itself to some like really interesting writing, because the Messenger is only one of the two games that I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they say this is a prequel, which kind of makes sense, because the sort of preamble for that story is pretty interesting as far as that sort of thing happening before, but there were other messengers that would do things, though this isn't really linked to that too too much. So yeah, that'll be at holiday twenty twenty two, so next fall at some point. Uh mm-hmm. let's see. Alicia the Oblivion of the Twin Goddess. Yeah. Uh, spring twenty twenty two, Switch exclusive. Console exclusive, at least. Uh yeah, they're saying uh, this is kind of a co-op kind of a puzzle adventure game of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only weird thing is the the faces for the characters. Yeah, it's almost kind of uh, kind of children's like storybook kind of look to it. While everything almost. else looks really nice, it's kind of very simplistic, like big blue eyes and you know a line for the mouth, whatever the mm-hmm. emotion is. Kind of thing, not really too much detail there, but maybe there are artists and creative faces that that happens. It is possible, but that looks pretty neat. That'll be out in the spring. Yep. Uh, let's see. Next one here, Locomotive, as a uh, neat-looking game where it's kind of a uh, point-click comedy adventure where you're just trying mm-hmm. to solve a uh, murder mystery mm-hmm. that is set on a train. Hence, Locomotive. Mm-hmm. They got fully voiced cast of characters, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's coming to Switch and PC this summer. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out. Uh, let's see. There's After Love EP, mm-hmm. which is described as like a musical narrative adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to play uh, instruments and other musical segments throughout set in Jakarta, Indonesia, uh, from the creative director of What Comes After and Coffee Talk. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty neat. That is coming to Switch, PlayStation, PC uh, next summer. Uh, Let's see. There's Dungeon Munchies, which is a dungeon-crawling, like 2D side-scrolling action kind of platformer where instead of collecting like materials to craft weapons and armor and stuff, you're collecting materials to make new dishes and cook them and eat them for various Mm -hmm. purposes. That kind of stuff. I think it's been on Steam for 
a little bit now, so it's coming to Switch, and it's out now. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out. Uh, let's see. They followed that up with Figment 2, Creed Valley. Yep. Uh, sequel to uh, the game Figment, which is kind of not a uh, a big game as far mm-hmm. as uh, popularity, but seemed pretty neat. This one uh, follows it up with a more of like a rhythm uh, based kind of puzzle adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is out in February, and there's a free demo out now, so you can check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Switch and PC. Mm-hmm. I think PC has been, I know PC, I like, guess, is, is also coming out at that same time. Yeah. Because uh, I think it was a Kickstarter game. So there's that. Uh, let's see, there's Let's Play Oink Games, which is a collection of tabletop games mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, the publisher Oink Games. Yep, they're a Japanese board game publisher. Well, they publish a lot of things, but yeah. primarily board games. And uh, they're known for using a very sort of artsy, minimalist aesthetic. Yeah, that's the style almost kind of reminds me of like the Jackbox kind of weird visual style to it. Yeah, it is kind of. Uh, and yet, in spite of that, the ga- the games published tend to be pretty elaborate and pretty deep. Yep, they I think they include like five out of the box. Uh, yeah, Deep Sea Adventure, A Fake Artist Goes to New York, Startups, Moon Adventure, yep. I guess four. Uh, it's out now, $21.99 for that. You can play local or online multiplayer. Yep. So there's that. Uh, then they went to uh, an interesting place with Endling. Extinction is forever. A game I will probably never play because it will stomp all over my heart, and I just can't take that shit right now. Yeah, it is a survival uh, adventure game of sorts where you're yeah. playing as the mom fox guiding her her cubs, her kits, whatever. There's uh, to safety. Mm. That kind of stuff very much uh, in a a neat sort of premise. That'll be out in the spring. Uh, I think that is just on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Ollie Ollie World got a date, February 8th. So jumping right into the fray on uh, the the massacre that is February. With Ollie Ollie mm-hmm. World, the uh, sort of 2.5D uh, skateboarding adventure game. Yep. of sorts that uh, it's going to be out on all the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC platforms. I believe uh, it's already up for pre-order as well, so I think it's $29.99 for the base game, 45 bucks for the deluxe edition that includes the uh, the expansions they're planning already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, they showed off River City Girls 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, for summer 2022 release. That's all the PlayStations, Xboxes, Switch, PC, everything. And they went into a montage here of other games. There's Parkosaurus, which mm-hmm. is, you can probably guess, is a dinosaur uh, park, like, tycoon management yeah. game. Basically, it's uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> Pretty much. More cutesy, though, with the art style was working there. Cutesier, yeah. So yeah, there's that. Uh, they also feature. Let's see, Don't Starve Together, uh, the the spinoff of the originals that is a co-op game. 
Mm-hmm. You can play with uh, friends for that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they're doing a trial right now for the original Don't Starve mm-hmm. uh, until December 21st. You can play it for free if you have Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, yeah, so that I assume it's on sale as well. To mm-hmm. go with that, so there's that. Uh, Don't Starve Together is out in the spring. There's Chicory, A Colorful Tale, which is out now for Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, there's Baby Storm, mm-hmm. which, uh, let me see, oh, yeah, it's like the cutesy um, local multiplayer kind of game. Yeah. So that, that'll be out January 21st, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Grime, which is a, let me see. Oh, yeah, this is the Metroid-like with Souls elements to it as well. That is coming to Switch in summer 2022. It launched earlier this year on Steam, GOG, and Epic Game Store. So you can check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerda of Flame and Winter also got shown. Let's see. That is a narrative adventure game uh, for mm-hmm. Switch and PC sometime next year, just 2022. Mm. Published by Don't Nod. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that's got some neat looks to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There's Timely, mm-hmm. which is a time-based time initial time manipulation puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Uh, out now. Demo is also out now. Twenty bucks. You can check it out. Came out on Steam May 2020, so it's been out for a little while, but has a nice look to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Behind the Frame, the finest scenery. A sort of artsy, fartsy game mm-hmm. that's got announced for PS4 and Switch in spring 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been out on PC since earlier this year, as well as mobile. And so you can kind of create arts uh, on the DualShock 4's touchpad and the Switch's touchscreen, as well as, I guess, on the Switch, you can use the Joy-Cons like a paintbrush. Mm-hmm. So... There's that. So that's weird, but that's the thing you can do. That's out spring 2022. And then they ended with a last game that is called Omori. It's coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. The Switch one's the only one that was mentioned with the spring 2022 release time frame. Uh, but that is... Let's see. I don't know. It's a weird... It's a it's a very vague trailer, but it seems very... Mm-hmm. Like, Story focus, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I wait for a bit more details, but it has a nice little hand-drawn art style look into it. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of like a sort of sketch style to it. Mm-hmm. So that looks neat. That's all of the indie world stuff. Yeah, yeah. Omori actually came out on. Um, I think that came came out on Steam at the end of last year. Uh, it's one yeah. of the highest rated reviewed. Um, uh, indie games there. Uh, my brother played a little. He said it's like similar to a Doki Doki Literature Club uh, mm-hmm. in a way where it just gets really, really dark, really fast. And okay. but but for the most part, it's also a uh, visual novel. So it's kind of weird that this game ended up being the one more thing. Um, yeah, because I don't imagine like, very many people knew what it was. Exactly. Like, and it's weird because uh, you know I, I talked about Chikori a while ago. That was a huge get. PlayStation, as far as being a timed exclusive, 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was part of the deal, but to me, that was a bigger announcement, and it was left for a sizzle reel. So, um, yeah, the, the whole the whole thing was weird in that regard. I'm glad Nintendo did this. Uh, it's, it's also the second time in a row that they did it on the 15th. So, I guess it's something that we should look out for in the future. Um, but aside from that, like the the main uh, big thing in my opinion was the really looking for. Yeah, it's very much a show that did not have any real major new games to it. Uh-huh. Like the bigger stuff is stuff that already existed. Chicory, Oli Oli World, River City Girls 2, uh, some stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, Sea of Stars was also already known about before. Yeah, there's nothing really here that's like huge, but it's just, hey, here's some new indies to look forward to and a pretty decent way to advertise some of that stuff. Uh-huh. But yeah, and keeping them away from the Game Awards, I guess. Uh-huh. Nintendo wanted nothing to do with that other than putting ads for the Switch on there. Mm-hmm. so yeah there's that and uh, yeah that'll be it for the show today thank you to Brandon Danderer for joining this week uh, yeah as I said before we will be off next week yeah and we will not be really doing any news the week after that unless something huge happens yeah but even then probably we'll just be focusing on talking about our game of the year stuff mm. trying to get as many people as we can onto the show for that, but yeah, we will be, uh, yeah, taking a, a deserved, you know, two weeks off there as we get this game of the year stuff done and uh, get it ready for uh, things to start. I think uh, starting on Friday, mm-hmm. I guess when we start getting articles up here later this week. Yeah, yep. um, which reminds me, I really need to start working on mine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, but well, yeah, mine doesn't go up until the twenty ninth, so I gotta get. So, yeah, yeah, some time. Yeah, but yeah, that'll be it for us for twenty twenty one. It has been a pretty decent year in games. I think it's the, been a pretty shit year in every other every other aspect. Yeah, uh, the thing that kind of is striking about the game of the year stuff is, I think this will be one of the more diverse uh, lists of games we'll see. Yeah, it's not been like a couple of big games like we had last year was, you know, The Last of Us and uh, Ghost of Tsushima and like Animal Crossing, like a handful of games where it's like, oh, these are the ones. Whereas this year, it's like, oh, it could be any of like 10 to 20 games. Mm-hmm. We'll probably win awards, uh, a fairly decent amount of awards. So. Yeah, that'll be fun to see, but yeah, we will be back. Uh, January 2nd for that uh, at least we'll recording wise uh, mm-hmm. when the episode goes up uh, probably be the next day or so so yeah thank you everybody for tuning in I hope you have a good rest of your year enjoy your holidays mm-hmm. and all that and you're hopefully getting some breaks in there mm-hmm. uh, see but uh, thank you everybody for tuning in this year we'll be back in the new year Have a good one. See you all next time. Have a good one.